everybody. Today we're going to talk about Shoftim Prakim Zayin Bechet, chapters 7 and 8 of the book of Judges, which continue with the story of Gidon that Kalev introduced us to a couple of days ago. Gidon has now been given the signs which enable to him to gather an enormous fighting force around them. And yet it seems that God does not want Gidon to be surrounded by a huge number of warriors. Rather, God prefers for him to have a much smaller force. And so God constructs a plan by which Gidon will have a force of 300 men alone. It's something of a strange plan. After Gidon has snuck into the camp and overheard a dream of one of the Midianite soldiers that their camp will be, will be taken over and destroyed by Gidon and his men. Gidon now has the courage to believe in himself and is able to have a tremendous victory. The 300 men split into three groups. They attack at night with fire, with shofrot blowing these trumpets of war. I want to just dwell upon a tiny bit of imagery which really comes to us by way of the chapter but funneled through a very beautiful Gemara in Masechet Brachot, Masechet Brachot, the first of the tractates of the Talmud. And very early on in Masechet Brachot, there is a very interesting discussion as to the watches of the night. The Gemara is interested in ascertaining what time, until what time, a person may say Kriyat Shema, the recitation of the Shema. And this is dependent upon how one understands that the watches of the night are divided up. It connects to how we understand when the Kohanim would do their service. We won't get into it too much. But for our purposes, the major dispute is to whether or not there are four watches of the night or three watches of the night. Based on a verse in Tehillim, I believe it is in Psalms, where David HaMelech says a line which implies there are four, ver four watches of the night. When it comes to the other opinion, there are three watches of the night. The verse that is cited as proof for this comes from our chapter. Verse 19. Gidon comes with a hundred men that are with him to the edges of the camp. At the beginning of the middle watch. The verse carries on, they blow the horns of an and smash the jars that they had with them. The Gemara says, look, they come at the beginning of the middle watch. One cannot divide four into a uh, way, in such a way that there is a middle watch. It must be there are three watches of the night. What is the significance of this argument? One of the first pieces I learned from one of my great teachers, Rabbi Dr. Yehuda Brandes, was a reading of this Gemara. This Gemara essentially says, what is the nature of the nighttime? 
and there are two proof texts. The first proof text, that of David writing his Psalms, is that the night time is a time of intimacy. It's a time of love, it was a time created for the study of Torah, time created for the compilation of the Psalms. That is David. But there is also a night time not of David, but a night time of Gidon. And this is a night time of warfare, of danger, of terror. This idea that a relationship with God at night time through the recitation of the Shema at night, Tov lahodot lahashem luzam proclaiming one's faith in God at night time. Gidon captures this idea of the terror of the night. That's the first point. The second point is in the following chapter. In chapter 8, Gidon returns victorious. He has an argument with the men of Ephraim who ask why they weren't consulted. He then strikes down a group on the way who are unwilling to give his men food. But what I'm really interested in is a verse at the end of the second chapter. And this verse, Pasuk Kafbet, is of great significance really for a broader theme in Tanakh as a whole. And that is the theme of kingship. Verse 22, ish Israel el Gidon, the men of Israel say to him, Mashal banu gamata, you should rule over us, gam bincha v'gam ben binecha, also your sons and your grandchildren. Ki hoshatanu miyad midyan, for you have saved us from the Midianites. The people cry out to Gidon, let you not just be one flash in the night saving us, but establish for us your leadership in a multi-generational way such that you will keep us safe. Be the first king for us. And Gidon's response is as follows. Only God shall we serve. And what Gidon gives a voice to here is what is arguably the dominant tone in Tanakh, at least until the book of Shmuel, that the idea of human political leadership set up in an established way which will be perpetuated over generations is in some ways an affront to God, because the extent to which humans rule over one another, thus takes away from the sovereignty of God. Perhaps this is in some ways the ultimate argument of the book of Shemot, of Moshe saying to Paro, you have no right to rule, you are but flesh and blood, you are not a God, you cannot put people in slavery, there is a higher power than you. Paro refuses to hear this until he is forced to hear this. Gidon knowing and really identifying with the Bible's idea that power corrupts, therefore says, I shall not be the beginning of what will be a monarchy which will eventually turn into tyranny. Gidon in this way becomes in a certain sense the ultimate paradigm for a certain strand within Jewish thought, famously associated with the Abarbanel and also with figures such as the Maharal, which views politics and human power with great suspicion. It doesn't identify kingship as the ideal model, but rather the diffusion of power as the ideal model. Wishing everybody a wonderful day.